Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 401 of The Riverfront, the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, with me this week. Glad to have him, and and now I get to find out what he looks like. Bill Lack, how are you, Bill? I'm great. I'm great. Making my video debut, day butt, and, <laughs> and, I, and I am wearing pants. Oh, gosh. Bill, this is a family-friendly podcast. Hey, you you got you and Jason were the ones that said you were doing the podcast without pants. No, 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 no. We said without shirts, and I did have to put on a shirt this time. But that's all I'm no, going to no, say. No, no, no. You said it, at that podcast, you guys said you were doing them without pants. Bill, I don't. I can't. You know, I can't do anything about what you're uh, dreaming in your uh, fair oh, spare God. time when you're. <laughs> <laughs> also, with us again this week, uh, your friend and mine, Nate Dotson. How are you, Nate? I'm great. Uh, fantastic to be here with these two. Pants wearing handsome devils. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to describe us. You must have a devil. weird filter on the video, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Why's that? <laughs> All right. So uh, this is episode 401. This is our second video episode. Glad to have uh, have Bill join us this time. And uh, we had a lot of fun last time. Expecting more fun this time. Not a lot necessarily going on in Red's world this week. The blockout. The Major League Baseball owners have locked out the players. That's still ongoing, but there's a little bit of Reds news. And when we do have a topic that I think is going to be fun to discuss a little bit later on, um, if you've read the title of the episode, you already know what it is, I guess, but um, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, this lockout hasn't finished yet. What's going on with that, uh, Bill? Are they locked out? <laughs> How could you tell if you're just watching the Reds? I, I'm a Reds fan. It, it, this really doesn't affect me. They weren't going to sign anyone anyway. They weren't doing anything, so. Well, you know, you know they, they, you know, they, they did draft somebody in Rule Five draft, which we'll talk about in a little while. But you know, that, that's an earth move. That, that'll that'll move the earth. Yeah, really, uh, definitely. Um, we did find out, I guess, that Jose Barrero is going to play winter ball. Although I heard, and Nate, maybe you can confirm this. I, I'm not. I, I don't know what, what research you've done or who you've talked to down at the winter league, but I heard that he's going to play uh, winter ball, but that Kyle Farmer is going to be starting ahead of him. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the rumor. Um, in winter ball because that's what happens. I don't have a lot of context down there, but uh, I'm going to completely and baselessly confirm those rumors. <laughs> that's all. Well, and knowing the Reds, he's going to probably be playing like catcher. Yeah, yeah, they'll have him playing a new position he's never played before. <laughs> but uh, you, know. you know, that way he'll be more ready to fill in when he gets to spring training. Exactly. I do, I do think it was encouraging that you know he's down there and that they sent. You know, a couple hitting coaches down there to talk to him too. It makes me think that at least they are, you know, expecting him to be an important piece of the puzzle. And when it comes to Jose Barrero, we haven't had a lot of encouraging news with the way they've handled him, in my opinion. So I did like that part. Yeah, no, I think it's a good point. Uh, just the question is, where is he going to play? Because I, I, I'll ask you, Bill. I'll throw it to you. Do you uh, I don't see him starting at shortstop on opening day. He's not your starting shortstop in Cincinnati. I agree. Kyle Farmer's starting at shortstop on opening day. Well, assume well. Opening day may be July 1st, but, you know, whenever it is, it'll probably be Kyle Farmer. I I, I would be sh- I would be shocked if it was Brer- – unless they trade Farmer. It's the, it's the holiday season. So it's like we're supposed to be, you know, happy and wishful thinking here. You're, just, you're ruining it for me, Bill. Yeah. I'm Mr. Scrooge. That's Mr. Scrooge to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably what, where we're going to be, but the, but that's all right. No, I just again uh, we mention it only because there's so little news, and that's part of that's uh, you know we're here to talk about. It. We, there was the uh, the Rule Five draft. Now it wasn't the Rule tr- Five draft that we uh, are expecting. 
expecting this time of year because that has been postponed the Major League Baseball Rule Five draft. And but we did get the minor league uh, version of it, and I guess uh, I guess they're going to play minor league baseball this year. Did y'all see that? That that's a that's confirmed. The minor league season will happen. The lockout's not going to affect the minor league season, and so uh, that might be the best thing that could happen for us as Reds fans. Maybe it will, maybe Louisville will, or Chattanooga will be uh, particularly uh, competitive this year. That might be the best we can hope for. Because you know you know Hunter Green and, and Nick Lodolo and those guys are all going to be in Triple A. Yeah, I'm. I, you know, I'm going to become a big Tortuga fan this year. I'm going to be a Tortuga guy. You'd be both. Yeah, I I've always thought of both of you as, as Tortuga guys. You see my hat? Speaking of my speaking of the minor leagues, who is that? Sarasota Reds. Ah, I'm, that's I'm old school. This, I'm wearing this in tribute to Matt Clinker tonight. Well, just go ahead and tell everybody that hasn't been around for all 401 episodes uh, who Matt Clinker is. We used to run this program that we called it the uh, Spotlight Players. They were minor league guys that we made contact with, and, and they would come on. And uh, but Matt was our, our our the one of our guys that climbed the highest and uh, spent the most time with us. And he retired a few years ago, and he's married now. And they just had, in fact, just had another baby. Um, Congratulations! And Congratulations, Matt. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he, I mean, he made a triple A, he was on the precipice uh, and there was that yeah. last year. I, I, we thought there was a chance he was going to get called up at some point. Well, except he wasn't on the 40 and then, you know how that is. And and that was a little bit, they, he retired, he, he retired. Um, he, he struggled in his final season. Um, he had a broken floating rib. He told me later and he pitched like the whole season with a broken floating rib. I don't even know what that means. I don't either, but it sounds like work. it works. Was it floating inside his body or outside his body? I, 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 don't, I can't visualize. He kept it, it in a box. Hmm, interesting, interesting. But he, but he did go down in, in the winter leagues and pitched really well in the winter leagues, and got out major league hitters while he was down there. And he had decided that you know that he was never going to be one of those guys that got the contract that was going to set him up for the rest of his life. He was always going to have to have a, a job later, and he got a very, very good job offer in that off season. And after he got major league hitters off out down in the winter league, he thought that would have a great time to to hang up his hat and married a wonderful girl, lives down in Texas now and family and doing really, really well. Yeah, that's about the that's the decision I came to in about uh, ninth grade and I decided I just wasn't gonna make it. So I quit and I married a good girl and uh it was a really weird story, but that's a small town Virginia for you. Um hey, Nate, you can uh, neither confirm nor deny that, right? had nothing to do with said marriage. <laughs> so the Reds, uh, the Reds drafted uh, uh, some guy named Ronnie Dawson in the uh, in the minor league Rule Five draft. He's a he's a, he's an Ohio State guy, right? Yeah, he's from Columbus, right outside of Columbus. That, that's where Ohio State is. Yeah, <laughs> and he's going to be uh, what twenty seven this year, I think. It's you know, uh, I was I was thinking, uh, you know, roster filler, you know, maybe. But uh, Bill, you disagree with that? I, I, he's he'll he will be on the twenty-five man roster at the beginning uh, when on opening day. It's a good way to save a little money. Well, uh, you know, he has a tiny bit of a big, big league experience, but uh, nothing really to speak of. Uh, but he will come cheap. He will come cheap. Uh, let's see. He was uh, spent out like a week or so with the Astros in the big leagues. Yeah, I don't know. He was he was a second round pick, but nah, it is what it is. Uh, Nate, do you have some any, any thoughts about this great free agent signing? The Reds uh, signed a, a free agent pitcher, Kyle Dowdy. Kyle Dowdy, twenty-year-old right right-handed reliever. How exciting! My- I feel the same about both guys. Um, 
it's fine to take a flyer on them. That's what these minor league rule five drafts are for. About them in spring training. Bill's probably right. They're going to get a little more of a chance than you know we likely believe they should. But you know, there's 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 reason for for some sort of hope there. Why not? Yeah, you know it, it is what it is. But here's the here's the funny part. The, the joke's kind of on Kyle Dowdy because he signed a minor league contract that included an invitation to spring training. But if they don't play up spring training, he, he won't get to go. Joke's on you, Kyle. If your mom's watching, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make a joke at your son's expense. And, and he pitched in Columbus last year. So the only reason the Reds are, are, are signing these guys is they have to go too far to scout them. You know, there's no well, they, they, Yeah, they, they, their scouting budget, you know, they had to cut the scouting budget too. So they're, they're only going to Columbus. They, they, you know, they take the Greyhound up there. <laughs> what was the... What, what was the reason Marge Shot gave for uh for wanting to cut the scout scouting budgets? All they do is watch baseball. All they do is watch baseball games. All they do is watch. Why baseball. are we paying them? <laughs> you know, you could scout on television. You know, you could, you could you get the you know that major league baseball TV and do all the scouting you want. Minor league scout, you know, minor league TV. You could just scout everywhere. Absolutely. A, what a world. Um, only other thing is uh, that to note, I guess, about the transactions uh, of the week is in that uh, minor league rule five draft, the Reds lost Carson Former, who you know I think he was on the team uh, opening day last year. I think he made the team out of spring training, and I mean he was you know he was Carson Formerish, and the Dodgers picked him up. Uh, what do they know? They yeah. couldn't even make the World Series this year. That's true. Second, neither did the Reds. So what? These two teams should not listen to each other. Do, do, exactly. Do, do we are we allowed to go to the World Series? What's the World Series? I, I think it happens in October. <laughs> yeah, I've heard rumors. Um, yeah, we're going to go this year, twenty twenty two, World Series or bust. My tickets, but we're going to go. <laughs> right, right, right. But I'm going to wear this Reds cap. Maybe the only one in the stadium. So. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about before we get into uh, the topic of the week is I wanted to, because you know, the Reds did sign a free agent pitcher who's it's really, you know, not really a, a signing, I guess, but I want to know if y'all had any thoughts on who might be uh, in the starting day rotation. Of course the Reds uh, obviously uh, let Wade, Wade Miley go for nothing. And they, I'll throw this one to you first. And so, you know, uh, and, and they're currently looking at perhaps trading uh, one, uh, two or three of the, uh, the triumvirate, Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, and, and Tyler Malley. If we had, were, had to put some some money on it, if we had to go to dra- DraftKings or whatever that's going to be uh, legal in Ohio uh, any day now and uh, put a, lay, lay some cash down on the Reds' five starters in April, oh, assuming that there's baseball in April. We shouldn't, shouldn't assume that. But whenever the season starts, who are the, who are the five? And, and is it ridiculous to even try to guess right now? Go ahead, Nate. You go first. I think um, let's. I'm going to operate on the assumption that we are not going to trade another starter just because we there's not a lot of baseball going on. Even though I think that stuff can still happen behind the scenes, they just can't announce it or something like that. Is that the rule? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's assume that they're all going to stay, and we got our top three set. We've got Castillo, we got Malley, we got Sonny Gray. Um, those next two get a little funky. I think you mentioned earlier that Hunter Green, Nicoldolo, they're probably not going to start that service time clock right away. Um, Vladimir Gutierrez has earned that four spot at least a really solid run at it in my opinion but that fifth spot gets a little funky um, Red Leg Nation had a great article about uh, you know, Reber St. Martin and I kind of like that 
I, I, you know, baseball's gone towards velocity and this power pitching, strikeout heavy thing. It seems like in sports, there's always this ebb and flow of, you know, we're going to move one way and then the game's going to shift a little bit. People start doing things different. You see a lot in the NBA with mid-range jumper coming back right now, for example. Martin's a, you know, not a high-velocity guy, a lot of great off-speed stuff. There's a lot of ground balls, maybe. And, and he has a, a good mid, mid-range jumper. And I'm not going to lie, the first several months he was in my life, I just thought they were articles were calling him Reliever San Martin. <laughs> so, yeah, how, how can he be in the uh, in the rotation? He's Reliever San Martin. That's fantastic. So you think he's got a, a real shot? I think he should have as fair of a shot as anybody for that this spot. He's pitching well in the, the Dominican Winter League, and he, and he plays for a team called the Eastern Stars. So we know that he's a star. Uh, 1.73 ERA uh, in 26 innings. And, uh, you know, he's a lefty. I don't know. You know, maybe. What do you think, Bill? You ready to to lay some cash down? No. (laughs) I do not. I don't believe that they'll have two rookies in the rotate. Well, I shouldn't say that. Last year, if you'd have talked to me in August, this year in August, I would have said that next year the Reds would not have two rookies in the rotation. That was before I knew the front office was going to go insane. Uh, Now, I don't think they care. I think it'll just be, you know, the best guy they think they can get out there for the cheapest money. I don't, I'm not convinced they're going to throw Green and Lodolo in the rotation at the same time. Um, All this trade stuff, what really amazed me, the Castillo thing made a little bit of sense to me. The Gray thing made a little sense to me. But when I heard they were shopping Molly, that made no sense to me. He's too young and too cheap and got, got too many years of control left. That makes no sense at all. Unless I mean, you if, you're, if, if you're trying to move somebody to save money, it doesn't make sense, does it? No. And, if well, and, you know, and, unless you get a hell of a package for him, which I can't, you know, I, he's, 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 done a, he's done a really nice job, but he's not a guy that's going to bring you a world beater. I, no. You know, um, I, I, I think Gutierrez – uh, and and, and Santion is another guy that they may look at for the rotation too, uh, even though he pitched very well in the bullpen late in the year. Um, and I, I I think that's where Gutierrez may end up too in the long run. I think he may end up a bullpen guy. I do I do as well. If you know the Reds have a need of that, um, or if they, if the Reds need that more than they need a starter, I, I, I yeah. think think I'm saying that. You know, if he's more valuable out there than as a starter, yes, they're obviously going to need it. I said that about Hunter Green earlier, but actually, I, I think that. And again, all this is presuming health, and you can't presume health with pitchers. We don't know who's going to be healthy whenever opening day gets here, and so this is all just speculation. But that's what we do in the off season is we speculate. And if you don't like it, come back in April. Uh, no, stay with us. It's we have fun. We'll but, still be uh, speculating in it. We'll still be speculating in April too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I think actually all things being equal, I think Hunter Green is in the opening day rotation. Ooh. And here's why the Reds aren't going to spend any money. They're going to make any splash to try to get people in the, uh, in the, in the seats. That's kind of a way they're already paying the guy. That's kind of a way to say, Oh, look at this. We got the big, uh, you know, superstar prospect. Uh, and, and he's, he, his time has arrived. I think about that. You know, when, when Homer Bailey was called up, um, yes, yes, exactly. He'll sell some tickets. Uh, Phil Castellini over here on the uh, top right of your screen, uh, upper right. Uh, <laughs> but I think about when, when, when Homer Bailey debuted way back in the, the, uh, I don't know, the middle ages, 
but the Reds had that big uh, billboard or several billboards, you know, with Homer, Homer Bailey holding a flaming baseball. And I don't, it seemed like it would have burned his pitching hand. I don't know how they took that picture of that baseball on fire, but you know, it was, it was he was their number, the big number one prospect. Um, by the way, if you'll notice, every time I say something dumb, Nate just rolls his eyes and shakes his head. He's been doing it. You've been doing it for years, haven't you? <laughs> So that's why I think there's a real, real chance that that Hunter Green is here if he's if he's healthy. Uh, I agree. I'm not sure that they'll go both he and Lodolo, especially since, since Lodolo had some some injury issues last year. Um, I expect him to start at AAA. But I, by this, on the other hand, if they trade even one of those guys, they'll justify it by saying we got these two young kids ready to step in. So and the Reds would never lie to us, would they? These two young guys ready to step in that we couldn't afford to even give them give a cup of coffee last year. Yeah. Yeah, those guys. What do you think, Nate? Is there any, any chance at all, or am I just deluding myself? No, I think you brought up a very good point. One that I hadn't considered before is, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of bad blood in the fans in this offseason. We're dealing with it every day on the Twitter webs, and uh, they're going to need some some good press. That's a, that's a good way to get it. And the other wild card in this whole thing is what are the players able to negotiate in the new CBA? There could be, you know, different different rules related to service time, and you know, maybe that gives them more or less of a reason to bring Hunter Green up. I know uh, if anybody read Ken Rosenthal's article, um, he had a long article on you know, his opinion and some resolutions that I thought it's worth everybody's time to go to go and read. But there's a chance that if uh, if cooler cooler heads prevail, that there could be some some changes that affect the way our rotation looks next year. It's a good point. And I think that that's uh, obviously the, the service time issue is going to be a huge, huge, huge uh, negotiating point because the, the owners have just kind of screwed players all these years. And the fact of the matter is the players uh, kind of opened the door to that being screwed like that because the way they negotiated the last collective bargaining agreement, I think there may have been some unintended consequences. So I expect that's going to be, you know, a, a kid like Nick Senzel um, who we can debate about, but also, you know, Chris Bryant with the Cubs a, a while back should have been in the big leagues earlier. And they would have been in the big leagues earlier. A team that cared about having their best 25 players, as, as we always talk about on here, the Reds have never wanted to have their best 25 players on the roster or 26 now, but um, it's going to be really interesting to see what the landscape is after that season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on a minute. You're saying they screwed them over. They screwed them over, but yet, if a player won't waive his no, his no trade contract, it's well, no, that's that's legal. That's in the contract. That's okay. well, that's what the the major, that's what the front offices are doing. Everything they're doing is legal. They're not screwing anybody over. They're just t- taking advantage of the system. Spoken like a true Castellini son. No, is that Rob Manfred? <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, true, but the. Do you, but, think, do you think that the the. the um, the deadline, or when you can go into free agency, should be it should be earlier than six years. Um, I think the sound be- you're hearing is Bob Housem spinning in his grave. Well, okay, that's fine. He should probably spin in his grave because there's lots of things that are different than when Bob Housem uh, was here. Um, but the point he makes about Major League Baseball bringing these guys up and all that kind, of, and and they have to get some inv- return on their investment. I, I don't think that's a point that can be ignored. Well, what I think should happen is players should be free to go wherever they want every year unless they sign a multi-year contract. This is the United States of America. We, you know, uh, If I want to go work for another company, I can negotiate a contract with another company. Sports is, not, sports is not like regular business. It's not the same thing. 
Exactly, because Bob Castellini can keep Nick Senzel down when he clearly was one of the 25 best players in the organization to save money. You say, yes, it's legal, but it's legal only if your number one goal is to make money. If your goal and is to win I baseball to, games. If I want to trade Joey Votto tomorrow to make my team better and Joey doesn't want to go, he can he can say, no, I'm not going. How is that okay? How is that okay? And what and what the ownerships want to do, not okay. Because the ownership is the responsibility to put a good team on the field. And Joey Votto has the clout to ask for a no trade clause. Yeah. A career reliever who made his you know, got he to doesn't even need a no trade clause. He's a 10-5 guy. Okay, well, you know what? That was negotiated. Nick Senzello didn't get to negotiate the fact that you get to keep me down when I when I deserve to be on the big the league 10, club. The 10-5 rule is part of the CBA. You're right, but I'm saying the no trade clause, he he negotiated that before he was a 10-5 guy. He signed that contract before he was a 10-5 guy. And that's 10 years in the big leagues, five years with one team. You got to approve right. a trade for those of you that um, don't know. Uh, what I'm saying is uh, a, a guy like Chris Bryant, a guy like Nick Senzel um, got screwed in this deal. And it might've been Nick Senzel's big opportunity to get paid given with the injury problems. He, it may never happen again for him. Um, and, but he, he, he would have made the team better at that time. And the Reds had other priorities. Yes, negotiated, but that, from my perspective, as a fan, I'm like, we'll put the best team on the field. From Sinzel's perspective, as a player, it's got to be like, what's the deal? What do I have to do? And and from ownership's perspective, is they're looking at a big at a, at a different picture. They're looking at a bigger picture. I I'm, I don't think there's a. And you're right. It, some of it is money. Some of it is long term ability to hang on to players a year longer by say, you know, you see, keep a guy in the minor leagues for a month and you get him for another year. I, yeah, I'm glad we got I, that sixth year, Nick Sinzel. Well, but. Same thing with uh, Chris Bryant. By keeping him in a minor league for, for another for an extra month, they got him for an extra year, and he and he lost the arbitration case about it. Yeah, no, you're right. Screwed up. Go ahead, Nate. That doesn't mean it's great. It doesn't mean I have to like it. Um, the fact of the matter is, as soon as the CBA is negotiated, the owners have teams and teams of lawyers out the years that are figuring out how to manipulate this thing, how to get it to work even more in their favor than it was the day it was signed. The players don't have that luxury. They, they have a handful of you know, lawyers on staff in the, you know, for the union, I'm sure. These guys go, got to go out and play ball. The owners can put all of their billions of dollars, all these resources towards figuring out how to make the CBA they just negotiated work for them over the course of the next several years. I don't think the players have you know, that, that kind of arsenal at their disposal. I, I don't agree. You act like the players union are, are, you know, are sitting at the poorhouse. They're sitting on a corner with their tin cup, you know, going, put a quarter in there. You know, I, they don't have the resources. The owner. I'll say this. Billionaires. I mean, you know, exactly. We've been doing these episodes, 401 of these episodes. Okay. This is the 401st one. Bill, you've been around since the very, very beginning of this, of this podcast. And the biggest surprise for me over the last, we started in 2007. So the last almost 15 years, be 15 years uh, in the spring, I think. And uh, we, Bill and I talked before we started recording, we might need to have an anniversary party for that one. But um I never expected after all this time, after nearly a decade and a half, that my guy Bill Lack was going to become an, uh, a shill for the owners. No. He's going to become an honorary Castellini. I didn't see it coming. Man, now you're just getting nasty. <laughs> That's just evil, right? But, you, know, my, you know, the biggest problem with this is the three of us are defending billionaires against millionaires. I'm defending millionaires against billionaires. Well, the same thing. I, you yeah. Know, I, and, and, I think between the, you know, neither one of you have the power. I mean, if you don't, 
want to play, then don't don't go. You know, you have to. The two sides have to come to an agreement. They both have to agree to it. And once you agree to it, then don't complain about it. Well, okay. You signed the, you signed the deal. Move on. And then I think that's reasonable. But Nick Senzel didn't sign the deal. Nick Senzel wasn't a member of the union when the collective bargaining agreement was signed. So, so I mean, so, well, that's true with a lot of unions, Chad. I mean, I know still, you're still you're still held held to this, you know, to the contract when you start working in that job. You know, it's the same at a factory down the street. I mean, the same. Nate, Nate, the biggest reason you're here is to just tell me that I'm right. So just listen, time for you to hop in. I agree completely with uh, with what Bill just said. If you agreed to, oh no, they did agree to it. Now, sorry, I had I had to I had to dismiss him. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stand for that. All right, you're back. Say whatever you're gonna say. (laughs) I was coming back around. Um, They did agree to it, but now is the time where they get to change things. They get to renegotiate. They agreed to some stuff. They played it out for as long as they were legally required to. They didn't like how it ended up. So now they get a chance to go, you know, fight for themselves. Well, that's actually, that's a good point. That's why I think that we may be in for a little bit of a, a, a longer, uh, like uh, a longer break, because I think that the players are 100% uh, in unison in saying, we did not do a very good job last time as a union. We, we got taken advantage of last time. And um, I would be very surprised if they allowed that. Now the, the other part of it, though is, you know what, at some point, the owners, uh, I think, know that players are going to be not getting a paycheck, and there's a lot of members of that union that aren't Joey Votto that are going to want to get back playing at some point. So that's why I expect they could try to wait him out. The owner could try to wait him out, and uh, it could, could get ugly, I'm afraid. Here's, here's a question. Will there be baseball on March 31st or April 1st or whatever opening day is? Will there be Reds baseball, Major League baseball, on the regularly scheduled opening day? Okay, let me clarify something. You just said two different things. Reds baseball is not necessarily Major League Baseball. Okay, it's, it's kind of like Minor League Baseball, really. Let's be honest, all right? <laughs> Nate, what do you think? Opening day. Uh, uh, scheduled opening day. Ever the optimist. I'm going to say yes. I think uh, we got a soft deadline um, when spring training starts. But I think that cool. And there are, you know, of all for all the things, the you know, points that it seems like they uh, are being – we're hoping are being negotiated. There are some reasonable compromises in there. That's what this is. It's a collective bargaining agreement. You, nobody wins outright. Um, I think that it's not as far as Manfred would love the narrative to seem. I don't think they're as far apart as he would love it to seem. So, yes, I'm going with it. There will be opening day, day baseball as scheduled. I hope you're right. Bill, you want to? You want me to give, give my answer? I gave mine. I don't think there will be. You don't I, think? I, I think – I don't think it'll be April, you know, April 1st. Uh, I think the pressure, I don't think the pressure will start until they get right up against the regular season starting. I don't think spring training will bother either, either side. The, the players don't get paid in, in spring training anyway, other than the, per diem. And, and, you know, now I, I did read where somebody was talking about that the owners now are, you know, they, they take into account that revenue stream that they get from spring training. And if you've ever been, if you've been to a spring training game in the last couple of years, it's kind it, of ain't cheap, it ain't cheap anymore. I paid, I think it was 19 bucks a seat for a spring training game in, uh, in, uh, Florida last year or two years ago. And, uh, what was it when you yeah. were going to Sarasota regularly? 
Well, we well that Back was minor league baseball. That was minor league baseball, but it, you know. Well, uh, you were down there for spring training, didn't you? No. Oh, okay. No, I was I never down there when the Reds were there in spring training. You've been there, uh, Nate? Yeah, one time. Oh, really? I've never been to spring training. I shouldn't say that out loud. Well, let me let me answer Bill's question. What's that, Nate? I said it was so much fun. I had three too many cocktails and took a nap in the outfield grass. It was great. <laughs> they, had, they had dragged Nate out of center field. He was he was laying in center field. I don't know how he ended up there. Nate had had, had two, one too many apple teenies. Eric uh, Davis kept kicking and going, "You got to move, man. You're in the way." <laughs> That's why Eric got hurt. He tripped over Nate in the outfield. There you go. Here's what I'm <laughs> That's true. You weren't even alive during uh, much of Eric, uh, Eric Davis's time. Bunch of babies. <laughs> what I think is going to happen is this. Here's my prediction. I think that at some point during uh, the early part of what would have been spring training, we're going to come to an agreement. The season's going to be delayed a little bit, just a few, you know, um, not not long, but it's going to be delayed a, a couple weeks. The Reds will win their first nine games. Um, Randy Myers, Rob Dibble, and, uh, and Norman Charlton will pitch great out of the bullpen, and the Reds will go wire to wire. That's what happened the last time we had a lockout, right? So it, it's gonna, your, it could happen again. From your mouth to God's ear. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the nasty boys in this this book? We already lost Carson Fulmer, so I don't know who. I will take all three of those guys at their current age <laughs> over last year's bullpen. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they, the Reds' bullpen may be nasty, but it'll be a different definition of nasty. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. So, all right, we're, well, we're all on the record there, and someone can t- make note of that and, and tell us who was right, who was wrong, and uh, and t- you, then you can tell Bill why he was wrong. Um, a <laughs> couple other things, or uh, one, one other thing before we get to uh, the, the topic of the week, and just want to quickly do this one. It's uh, this week, December 7th, was Johnny Bench's birthday. Now, have you guys heard of Johnny Bench? What does that mean? I don't get it. Five. He can, you can you can he can handle all those baseballs in one hand. Yeah, That's yeah. Bill, Bill, for those for those of the listening audio, uh, Bill was showing five fingers there. Um, Johnny oh, Bench. Did uh, Johnny Bench December seventh? Uh, you know, a date that will uh, uh, live in infamy. Um, but not in Cincinnati. Not in Cincinnati, but except for you know Johnny Bench being around. Uh, Bill, what was your? I, I wanted to ask you. What's your? I, I know I know the answer because we did a podcast about the Big Red Machine, but what's your number one Johnny Bench memory? Probably the 72, home run in the 72 playoffs. Um, 1972? 1872. It was right after the Civil War. Mm. <laughs> you know, my my, uh, my uh, kids make fun of me because uh, I live in the late 1900s. <laughs> I was born in the it mid sounds awful, doesn't it? <laughs> Oh yeah! Yikes! But, but the, the, the home run off Dave Justy in, in the seven in the fifth game of the seventy two playoffs is probably the biggest one I remember. And then the second one would be Johnny Bench night, the home run on Johnny Bench night. Ah uh, yes, with the big sheet was, hanging out in the outfield wall there. At I State. saw I saw a clip of that yesterday or, or today or something. It still gave me chills. Yeah, somebody wrote a really good chapter about that day in uh, this book. What's the name of that book? I bet, Chris Garber, I bet Chris Garber wrote that chapter, didn't he? No, I wrote it, but Chris Garber fixed it. <laughs> he edited it. Nate, you don't, you don't have any uh, personal Johnny Bench memories, but uh, it, what jumps out to you when you think Johnny Bench? Um, there's really only one thing, and uh, you know, nobody else knows, nobody would ever care a million years, but I used to play a little baseball in my day, and catcher was my original position, and it was because of Johnny Bench. That my, my oldest brother wanted me to be a little mini Johnny Bench. Um, and there's one story that I always love and love to regale my friends with pretending they cared 
was uh, I can't remember the pitcher's name, but he was upset that one of the Reds pitchers wasn't throwing the ball as hard as he should be. And he just barehanded his fastball, and the guy kind of got the hint. He's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. it was Jerry Arrigo. There you Jerry go. See? <laughs> yeah, but I, always, I love the tail, but would never try. Yeah, really. You never you never tried that one, even against a little league pitcher? I am not the man Johnny Bench was. <laughs> it is funny because my first memory of Johnny Bench was the 69 All-Star game when he hit he had a home run in the 69 All-Star game and almost hit a second one. I think I think nice. Minnesota said somebody went went up over the fence and pulled one back, or he would have had two. Um my uh, you know, I really don't, don't have my memories of Johnny Bench were uh, I don't really have actual memories, uh, but just I became a Reds fan basically in 1982. You know, I was seven or eight years old, and and uh, everybody was just like Johnny Bench, Johnny Bench, because the, the family were Reds fans, and he was the guy, Johnny Bench. You know, so I heard all this, and so I got it worked up. We we're finally going to go to see my first major league game, and you all heard this story. I'm not going to go into it too in depth, but it was his final season, so we I had one shot to watch Johnny Bench, and uh, and yeah, so we go. He's playing third base by that time, and. We walk into the Riverfront Stadium, and I just think it's gorgeous. I mean, that AstroTurf, just gorgeous. I didn't know any better. I was, what, eight years old? Um, and so we look up at the scoreboard and starting at third base, not Johnny Bench, but the, the man, the myth, the legend. Yes, Wayne Krenchicki. So, uh, Actually, the biggest Johnny Bench home run I ever saw in person, though, was in game one of the 73 playoffs. It, he hit the game winner. Mm. The ninth off the yeah, and I was sitting in the yellow seats, and it was it landed right below me. Right down the out, Johnny Bench was was pretty good. So happy yeah. birthday! As it turns out, yes, happy he birthday. was not a bad player. Um, what's funny is Nate joked about his uh, older brother, but uh, his older brother that tried to get him to be Johnny Bench also when he was in uh, Little League was number five and was a catcher, and uh, you know uh, just because that's what everybody talked about, you know, he was the guy. So okay. Um, and, and in 1970, when Bench won his first MVP, he started two games in center field. That's true. It's a true story, <laughs> if you can believe it. Uh, Bill, quickly, I want you to um, – if you have been listening to the audio podcast, and, and you know, maybe that's something we need to put up on the YouTube, even though it's just audio only, put up on our, on our YouTube channel. Uh, Bill and I did a, a series called Building the Machine. And I'm actually going to ask Nate about this because Nate uh, has been listening to it. Uh, it's just – it's basically we start uh, with – before the seventies, even with the Dave Bristol era and, and go all the way through big red machine. And I don't know, Bill and I did a lot of research, um, build it a ton of research. I was there just mostly because of the dulcet tones of my voice. Uh, but, uh, what'd you, what'd you think, Nate, listening to it for the first time? Um, I still have a couple chapters to get through, but I also listened to it mostly for the dulcet tones of Chad's voice. <laughs> um, no, I thought, you know, well, here's your brother. <laughs> <laughs> He's contractually <laughs> obligated to say that. That's right. Growing up in the you know the eighties and nineties, obviously you you hear about the the big red machine. It's the reason that you that Reds fans kind of keep having hope. It's their it's their excuse for you know to keep on going. Yeah, we did it and once. I, we can do it again. Yeah, and I did a lot of things over the years. You know, uh, Chad bought me a DVD box set of the like seven you know the, the seventy five World Series and the Red Sox. And so you try to read books and do whatever you can to get an understanding, try to get a feel for what it was like at the time. And it was because of an article I, I read about Johnny Bitch's birthday that Chad, you actually sent over. There, there's no way to sort of comprehend, especially being a Reds fan now, 
looking at those your generation, right? Yeah, looking at those stadiums when these games are going on, and the way that the the city and, and the national conscious was wrapped around the Cincinnati Reds. It's so foreign to me, and it's been really cool getting an insight into that aspect of the Reds' history, something that Lord knows I'm probably never going to feel. Oh, the, the, no. the other thing that, that I hope that you're getting from it, Nate, and the people that listen to it, when, you, when you're you know, 50 years in the future and you're looking back on it, you just think, well, it was just a big juggernaut that just ran over people every day and, you know, from the from 1970 to 79. And one of the things we've talked about is how they the years they struggled and the parts of the seasons where they struggled and, you know, and moves they made, you know, the and, and more even more than the road, you know, everybody knows about the Rose, the third base move and which got Foster in the lineup. But, you know, the trade for Freddie Norman was a huge move that, that, that allowed that team to become successful. Friend of the uh, podcast, Freddie Norman. Yes, as a matter of fact, that's a good one to listen to if you want to go back and listen to a good one. Yeah, he came on um, the podcast a few years yeah, ago. Um, you know, the, to the trade for George Foster. I mean, another a phenomenal deal that they made. Uh, Who's and, the little and, second baseman they traded for? What's his name? I, I think we're going to talk about him in a little while. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I hope that, that that's coming through. When you're listening to that, 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 that it wasn't just, you know, a steamroll that, you know, that the Dodgers, that the, especially the Dodgers that they laid down, they were a really, really good team. And, yeah. you know, if the divisions would have been aligned the way they should have been, we'd have been pl- pl- playing them most years in the playoffs. And who knows what would have happened? Yeah, those, those championships seem like they were organizational championships. And you got some of that by the fact that the way that they were willing to give their World Series bonuses to clubhouse staff. But there's moves from ownership, the general managers, everybody on down, Sparky, all of the, the myriad of moves that he made, you know, earning that Captain Hook nickname. Like it was, it's been a really, really fun insight. Well, I'm, I'm biased because uh, Bill and I did put a good bit of work into that, but, uh, and, and we're replaying it now. We did it during the, uh, you know, the, the, when baseball was out last year during the pandemic. And so Bill and I said, hey, we've been talking about it. And we, that gave us the impetus to go, let's go ahead and record this thing. There's 12 episodes and it begins in 1969, basically. And it goes all the way through the end of the seventies. Then we have kind of a, a legacy episode. What is it? What did it mean? And, and uh, we, we replayed the first 11 at this point, as we record this, you can get it on our audio feed, uh, wherever you find podcasts, just subscribe to Red Lake Nation. Uh, or, I want to do that every week, the riverfront. We're not Red Lake Nation radio anymore. Um, and uh, you can go back and find those. But what I liked about it was, quickly Nate talks about how his generation, you know, and he's never going to experience this, but the fact of the matter is I don't remember, I don't remember the big red machine. So I had done a lot of research, Chris uh, Garber and I to do, to write the book, uh, the book, back, back that book right there. Um, the big 50. Um, yeah. And so we, uh, Bill's getting his copy out of the garbage. And, uh, <laughs> so, but so I done some research. I knew a lot about it, obviously. But what I liked about the the way we did that thing was that Bill lived it, and we tried to talk about like you being there to watch these, you know, and, and your your first game driving down, and the first time you drove your car to the ballpark, you know, little things like that. We tried to to sneak in the fact, and then you know, you're in the Navy for a little while, and how you found out about I don't know. I just it was a lot of fun for me to kind of relive that through you, Bill. Well, thank you, I, and I, I really enjoy really really enjoyed doing it. And speaking of, since we're since we're talking about that, Chad, and we talked about this a little. The anniversary today, December the 9th, 1977, the Reds acquired Vita Blue from the Oakland A's for Dave Revering and $1.75 million. 
And Vita Blue went on to become a Reds legend in in the uh, starting rotation, right? Vita Blue and Tom Seaver took the Reds to four more world championships. They might have. <laughs> if. If Bowie Coon. Commissioner Bowie Coon just vetoed him. So. All right. Well, we've spent way more time talking about all this other stuff. This has been a, a, a fun, but we haven't even gotten to the topic of the show yet. We're you yeah, know, 40, 40 minutes, minutes in. in. Probably, 40 yeah. minutes in. Yeah. So Nate, this, happen, this happens when I'm on. It does. Bill just won't shut up. I and so and I added Chad, somebody else to the mix. And Chad, maybe by maybe by the time you're at episode number eight hundred, <laughs> we'll figure it out, right? right? There we go. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Let's not count on it. So this week, um, another friend of the podcast, Mark Sheldon, over at uh, MLB.com, posted a, a piece about the Reds' all-time single-season team. Right, all-time single-season by which he meant. Go each position by position, and which red in history had the best year at that position? I think we can quibble with some of his picks. It's a pretty good article. I'd encourage you to go to MLB.com and, or Reds.com and read it. But I thought we – it was actually um, – Bill sent it to me initially. I sent it to Nate. Nate says, ooh, that's a good topic for the podcast. So that's how we got here, and it is a good topic. But, Nate, you're going to have a little twist for us. Bill and I have looked at it a little bit, but you got a little twist on your list, right? I do. Um, I feel like most of the entries for the best season – were people before my time. I don't have a lot to say about that, especially compared to, to you guys. Um, I wanted to throw out the best single season for players in my generation. So sort of the, when I can remember baseball, called late 80s, early 90s on. And that way, you know, we'll spend most of the time talking about, you know, the best seasons of all time. But right. I'll throw a, little, a quick aside in for some of the guys that hopefully if anybody that's under 40 can, you know, they can remember under 40. All right. So anyway, um, yeah, thanks for tossing that in. I'd appreciate that. Uh, although I will, I will say that uh, the bill and I both have more hair than you. For those who are listening on audio, you just have to trust me on that. I, I've got t-shirts that are older than 40. <laughs> I'm working the, uh, the, the, the turtle show from Tortugas. <laughs> there you go. I love it. All right. So let's let's you run. Can, you can do that. You can paint your head, you know, make it look like a tortoise show. <laughs> He's going to do that uh, for the, the Tortuga season this year. Let's run through uh, Mark Sheldon's list and then we'll just discuss whether we uh, agree, disagree. Um, and so what I'll do is I'll go with, uh, I'll go, we'll just take turns. I'll go to Bill first, then Nate, then me position by position. Um, next position, I'll go Nate first, then uh, we'll go around. So the first position is catcher. He has Johnny Bench, 1970, 293 average, 345 on base, 587 slugging, 45 homers, 148 RBIs. It was Johnny Bench's first MVP season. What do you think, Bill? Is that the best single season for any catcher? in Reds history. I would kind of go to 72. Yeah, me too. That's what I was going to say. Um, his second his MVP season. His offensive wins above replacement was higher. His defensive wins above replacement was higher. His wins above replacement was higher. Uh, he played less games, um, but, you know, both won MVPs and Golden Gloves both times. I would probably go with the 72 season. And he was also really good in 74. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. I, mean, I, look, I look at the, the numbers, and I think that you can make a really great argument that Johnny Bench had uh, eight of the top nine seasons for any catcher in Reds history. Um, the other one, the other one, of course, uh, Alex Trevino. No, that's that's not true. It was Dan Bellardello. So I agree with Bill. I think 1972, uh, his second Bench's second MVP season. Uh, before my time, I was not even a gleam in uh, my parents' eye at that time, but. Um, I think that's, I think Bill's probably right on that. Nate, uh, from from your generation, best catcher season. Now I know what I would say if I were you, 
So I'm interested to see what you what you say. So this is probably the one that I struggle with the most. Um, I don't know that uh, we're going to agree on this, but I went with 2012 Ryan Hannigan. Oh, yes. He goes off the board for a Hannigan pick. I lean towards some solid Eddie Taubensy years. Uh, it's a big, a big personal favorite of mine. They didn't hold up. Didn't justify my memories. Um, Tucker <laughs> Barnhart actually had, um, for me, the, the closest contending season. But I love the Ryan Hannigan season for a couple reasons. One, he did have 2.3 wins above replacement. It's not been a great time for Reds catchers over the last you know, 15, 20 years. Um, but that team won the division, and they won the, the division behind a fantastic pitching staff. Um, he called a homer no hitter that season. He also caught 11 outs. So I think a lot of what he did just didn't show up. Um, apologies to 2017 Tucker Barnhart in my mind, but that's what I went with. Yeah, you know, I like uh, uh, – I loved Hannigan. Uh, he he probably could have won a, a gold glove, frankly, and that was a pretty good catching duel, I guess, with uh, Ramon Hernandez back back at that time. Uh, but he also got on base. He got on base, and I, and, I, and I like that about him. You know who I would have gone with uh, if I were, you know, uh, the tender age that Nate is? I think I would have gone with 2014 Devin Mesoraco. 26 years old, makes the all-star team. That big, his really one big year. You know, he had of, that 25 home Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Devin Mesoraco has been on the podcast. Absolutely. I think that's who I go with, but I, I guess I can't, I can't argue with Ryan Hannigan. Love Ryan Hannigan. Well, Matt Hannigan, he's also a great story. Because he, he was an undrafted guy um, that fought his way up through the organization, and, and if you know anything about how the you know the minor, minor leagues work, if you're an undrafted guy, nobody's looking out for you. You've got to make your own way all the way it. to the top. And he and he made it all the way to the big leagues, and, and had a, a really pretty good lengthy career in the big leagues. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a great story. I uh, I went to Chattanooga back the first time that Chattanooga was a Reds Double A affiliate one time, and just uh, a buddy of mine decided we're going to go to Chattanooga and watch uh, the Lookouts play. And, and Hannigan was the catcher. And I remember him because I took a couple of pictures of him for some reason. But I was like, this guy is the slowest player I've ever seen in my life. What is he doing on the field? And a couple of years later, he's in the big leagues. And I, and one of my favorite players. So good call, Nate. I like I like the uh, – Good research, Nate. Good job. Yeah, I like the, the Ronnie Hannigan call. So uh, first base, and this I think is probably the, the most controversial of the selections. Uh, Mark Sheldon picked – You don't You think this is uh, legit? Well, then uh, we'll go with you uh, on this oh, one. No, I don't think it's the most controversial. Oh, okay. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. So Ted Klazuski, 1954 Ted Klazuski, 326 batting average, 49 homers, 141 RBIs, finished second. In, he led the majors in home runs and RBIs. He hit a home run in the All-Star game and finished second to uh, for the National MVP to a guy you may have heard of who was a decent player, uh, Willie Mays. Say hey, kid. You've, have you heard of him, Nate? Once or twice. Hey, by the way, just and as, as an aside, I read every baseball biography. Really good Willie Mays biography out there. I can't remember who wrote it, but it's good. Um, I, I disagree with this selection, Bill. Do you disagree? I I'm, I toss up. I, I could go either way on this. Um, clue, Big Clue had a higher wins above replacement than Joey did, and, and I, I assume you're talking about Joey's 2010. I'm not saying that. No, you're actually. not. Okay. No. I think – Joey Votto has uh, one season with a higher wins above replacement than that 54 because game one tied the Kongluski, and neither one of those is his uh, MVP season. To look at 2017, Joey Votto. Which is where I went. Is that where you, oh, there you go. Thanks, Nate. Well, tell us what you think, Nate, and then we'll see what Bill says. Because um, you know, that's, that's where I was going to go. Second place MVP um, was 8.1 wins above replacement. 
he had 83 strikeouts on the season. Like he, he just he, the guy barely got out. 320, 454. What was his OPS plus that season? 167 OPS plus. Um, I think that yeah, he didn't win the MVP, but it looks like on paper the best Joey Votto season. And I didn't do the deep dive to see how that one compared to Big Clue. I'll leave that to you all, but it's up there. It's got to be. Well, you know, it's uh, the last great season of the old Joey Votto before he turned into this current version that's all of a sudden great again. And so that's where I went. Uh, you can't make an argument for Klazuski. I don't think that's a crazy uh, selection by uh, by Sheldon. Uh, what are your thoughts, Bill? I, I I honestly only looked at Votto's MVP year, and I probably I should have looked at some other ones. Um, the the 8.1 wins above replacement year was a heck of a year. Um, his OPS plus was the same as clues. I think that year, um, I, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be ashamed to have either one of them on your team yeah, for those seasons. <laughs> yeah. You, it, it's hard to argue. Let me ask you this, Bill, um, top eight individual seasons, individual single seasons in Reds history for first baseman. Uh, Joey Votto has six of them. Ted Klazuski, obviously, as we just discussed, has one of the other who, and we're talking about of all players who played at least 50% of their games. At first base, who holds the other top uh, eight season in Reds history for first baseman? Either of you can can jump in if you have a guess for that. Perez, not Tony Perez. Nate, do you have a no. guess? Sean Casey. Sean Casey, not Sean Casey. This one I never would have guessed either. Never if I hadn't looked it up. Frank Robinson. Oh, Frank. I, I do remember reading where he had one year he had a he had a shoulder problem. In 59 and 60, both he played more than 50% of his games at age 23 and 24 at first base. I think he was having, I think he had shoulder problems, if I remember reading that. In in, what book was that? The Big 50. No, before the machine. Hey, listen, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let you come on here and promote other books on my show here. Okay. There's only one Reds book. Oh, oh, Nate, this is his show. I mean, I'm not gonna argue with it. I stepped into that one, but uh, I don't have a book. <laughs> I barely. I can't one. read, much less write. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to tell everybody that, but thank you. Okay, let's go to second base quickly. Uh, second base, uh, really, this is a, also a controversial pick. Mark Sheldon picks Joe Morgan, nineteen seventy-five, the first of his back-to-back National League MVP seasons. Um, Three twenty-seven average, seventeen homers, ninety-four RBIs, led the majors in OPS, OPS plus, walks, sixty-seven stolen bases, Reds win the World Series. Um, this time I want to go to because uh, because Morgan is not in uh, in Nate's era. So let's go to you first, Nate. Who do you who'd you pick at second base? And please don't pick Bill's least favorite player. He's going to. He is. I know. He has to. He, it's obvious. I mean, I think that's the right answer. Yeah, I do too. I had some fun ahead, with Nate. but I landed on 2011 Brandon Phillips. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's yeah. That dude, BP. All star, Gold Glove, Silver Slugger. Um, it was tough. I looked at some of those Brett Boone years. Um, he had some of his, you know, his better years were after he left the Reds, but he yeah. had an all-star towards the end. It was great. Uh, Jonathan India's year this past season, I, I wanted to like rank a little higher than it did, but love him or hate him. That was a, that was a pretty magical Brandon Phillips year. And it you know, sort of like is right there on the cusp when the Reds were relevant for one of the few times in my life. Well, thank you. You're wrong, of course. The answer, the, the correct answer would be 2004 D'Angelo Jimenez. But uh, thank you for playing. We have some nice parting gifts. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, Bill. Yeah, I, thought a, I thought this might be a Pokey Reese mention. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. Pokey Reese. Our buddy Matt Malott, right? 
We're going to shout out to our buddy Matt Malott, who always wears the Pokey Reese jersey to the ball games. Uh, if you know, you know. Um, Bill, 1975 Morgan is the answer here, right? Again, 75, 76. You can't go wrong either way. I mean, his, his yeah. wins above replacement was higher in 75, but his OPS was was higher in 76. Yeah. Um, you know. More, po- more power in 76. Yeah. Yeah. I go 75, but you're right. He won MVP both years for a reason. Best player in the league. He was he was the best player I ever saw play in, you know, every day. Yeah. Well, that's – that is a big-time uh, – Big time compliment because you've seen a lot of them, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the great reds through the big red machine and, and since. Okay, so let's go to next will be uh, shortstop. We'll go to shortstop since that's the way uh, that's the way Sheldon uh, went through the, the positions. And I actually uh, agree 100% with his uh, pick here. And it's uh, a little surprising in some ways. It's Barry Larkin, 1996. Now, Larkin won the MVP in 95, but it's really obvious to me. And, and I think anybody that's looking at it, uh, you know, fairly, Larkin was way better and not way better, but he was Benny six and he was in the year he won the, uh, the MVP 1996, uh, 298 uh, average, 33 homers, 89 runs batted in um, first shortstop ever to have a 30, 30 season. That used to be a big deal for those of you that are too young to remember that 30 homers, 30 steals. Uh, it's uh, I think it's, I think I, I got Barry Larkin uh, 1996. Bill, what do you think? I agree. I, you know, and, and he played like 20 more games that right. year than he did the year he won the MVP. Yeah. So Barry Larkin, 96. Uh, Nate, that's, pro- that's probably yours as well. I don't know. Is it? Yeah. Same thing. All-star, gold glove, silver slugger. Uh, finished 12th in the MVP voting somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Barry yeah, Larkin, I- man. Is it, are we to the point now where Barry Larkin is kind of underrated in Reds history among like current day Reds fans? Do you think? I mean, or am I just making that up? It's just because he was not the best uh announcer on the broadcast this year is that is that coloring my yeah it's not helping I, right now. I is think, it fading is his brilliance fading yes i think it is i, I think he's I, I think i think barry was a better player than you know, I, I don't think there's any argument he was a better player than concepcion but i think people that are like my age or maybe a little younger than i am they see them as is equal yeah because Concepcion was, you know, the guy, right? Well, and, 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 you know, a lot of those people, in my belief, mistakenly believe that Concepcion should be in the Hall of Fame. And I don't think he should. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, you know, th- this is something that we I've been doing here. Top uh, top seven seasons by Winsboro replacement in Reds history, all Barry Larkin. Billy Myers, number eight, Dave Concepcion, nine, and the immortal Buck Herzog back in 1914. Was <laughs> no. Billy Myers. Yeah, 1939. He was on the uh, the Jungle Cat infield uh, for Jungle the uh, Cat infield. That's right. Yeah, the National League champion in Cincinnati Reds, 1939. A little bit before Nate's time. All right, so I'm going to give you all each one guess. That's the top ten in Red shortstops by Winsboro replacement. Who's number eleven? It's someone you both have watched play. Either of you want to guess? All right. I'm, I'm thinking it would be Concepcion, but you're, I'm, I'm tried guessing. To. I tried to think of someone hilarious. <laughs> 2017, Zach Cozart. Oh, yeah. 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 5.2 wins by replacement. So, okay. Uh, we got the, outli- the outlier season in his career. Love yeah. that juice. <laughs> but you know what? Um, good, good for Cozart because he got a big contract out of it and was never mm-hmm. good again. But, got a donkey. Uh, 
Yeah, he could hit a donkey. And uh, <laughs> the thing about Larkin fading just quickly is uh, the reason I think he's fading is because everyone realizes now that he was not nearly as good as Kyle Farmer. Get out of here. You're fine. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I really hope Kyle Farmer's mom does not listen to this show because I, cause I really liked what Kyle Farmer did. He's, I'm unfair to him. You, you People would think that we don't like Kyle Farmer. and it's, we It's not true. I think Kyle Farmer would be a, is a very valuable piece to this team. Yes. He's just in not the right used role. Directly. In the right role. <laughs> yeah, okay. He's just not used directly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So third base, third base, not Wayne Krenchicki. This is um, the one where I had the problem. Uh, yeah, I've got a problem. I got a big problem here too, as well. Uh, Mark Sheldon picked 1978. Pete Peter Rose. Rose, 302 average. Um, not he didn't win the MVP that year. He won it back in '73, but that was the year he had his 44 game hitting streak. So uh, I think so, Sheldon just felt like he had to put Pete in this list somewhere. Yeah, you, and, he you, and he couldn't put him in the outfield. Yeah, yeah. Pete Rose has to be in there somewhere, but I, I don't think 1978. Pete Rose, if you look by wins above replacement, it's not in the top. I mean, it's not in the top 20. No, he's, I mean, it's 3.4 is what his wins above replacement was. Yeah. And not that that's the be all end all, but that's 32nd or tied for 31st in Reds history with 2019 Eugenio Suarez. So I, I bet, I bet you and I, Bill, agree on, on, on who we pick. But let me ask Nate first for his generation's pick. Um, Suarez was a, a runner up for me. Um, oh, runner up. Close honorable mention was 2010 Scott Rowland, who uh, yeah. wasn't mm-hmm. too long, but had good an season. I went with yeah, 19- half of a good year. I went, yeah. with, I went with 1991 Chris Sabo. Oh, wow. I, uh, I was so expecting. I was expecting. Yeah. Who's that? Uh, big season. I was expecting you to go 2014 Todd Frazier for some reason. I looked into a lot of Todd Frazier and. I just thought that uh, that Sabo season was a little bit stronger. I didn't. Rem- I guess I didn't remember that you went back to. Yeah, I, I didn't realize you went back to Sabo, but that was my fault, right? I you need a, you need a Spuds McKenzie hat for that. You got if you're going to talk about Chris Sabo, you got to wear a Spuds McKenzie ball cap. My first memories are about Chris Sabo, so he he counts. Yeah, your big brother was kind of obsessed there for a little while, wasn't he? Yeah. I used to want to wear Rex specs, like actually, <laughs> ironically, want Rex specs. I think there is a probably a picture out there somewhere of uh, of, of young Chadwick uh, playing junior varsity basketball wearing Rex specs. Well, <laughs> There's, I'm, we I think, need that picture. We must have that picture. All right, don't go and uh, and and bother uh, Mrs. Dotson to look for it. Um, Maybe Bill, you got a job to do. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, we're going way over here, so we got to run. But uh, quickly, who, who you got? Third base, Perez, nineteen seventy. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Best third base season in Reds history. Uh, yeah. Forty home runs, one hundred twenty nine RBIs, uh, seven point two wins above replacement. Tony Perez. And, and but at the All Star break, he looked like the MVP in the league. He did not win the MVP though, and he very well could have. But uh, obviously, we've already talked he about Johnny Bench. Yeah. <laughs> Left field, George Foster, 1977. Uh, I think I agree with that. George Foster, of course, that year was uh, the MVP in the National League. Hit, um, what, 50? How many home runs, did he, home runs did he hit that year? 52 home runs, 149 RBIs. Uh, you agree with that, Bill? Yeah. I, I, the outfield picks, are, are to me, are solid. Yeah. What do you think, what do you think Nate? Left field? Um, real quick, 2004, Adam Dunn. Hold um, on. Not, not Ryan Ludwig? 
The only thing I will say about that season, other than, you know, I guess the MVP votes, whatnot, he hit a ball into the Ohio River. Yes. Arrest I'm, my case. I'm, cha- I'm changing my vote. It was Adam Dunn. <laughs> George you've Foster never did that. You've convinced me. Um, center field. If, he, if, he, if George Foster would hit a ball into the Ohio River, it really would have been one worth talking about. Right, at Riverfront. Right. <laughs> um, center field, uh, I think this is an easy one. Eric Davis, 1987. Uh, and again, we wrote a, a chapter in the book, Chris and I did, about uh, that that particular season for Eric Davis because it was just it was the year where he was a uh, all-star, gold glove, uh, 2.5-3 average, 37 home runs, 100 runs batted in, 50 stolen bases. Um, first major leaguer ever to hit 30 home runs, still 50 bases the same season. He was just, he was literally the, uh, the toast of baseball. He was the next Willie Mays and it was just an incredible season. I think it's by far the best. Um, any disagreement with that, that Bill? No, I, it's the season where you, you really felt like this is what Eric Davis is going to be. You know, we're, he's going to be this incredible and we've talked about you and I've talked about it on other podcasts an inner circle hall of famer. He would have uh, been. Yeah, you know, and he, you know, this just his health couldn't hold up. I thought you might go for nineteen oh five Cy Seymour, Bill. No, I, you know what? I watched him play, and I didn't like him. He was kind of a butthead, so I wouldn't pick him. <laughs> oh, certainly, hopefully not a butthead. Surely not. Nate, uh, your generation, where you go? Center field. I actually uh, stay with eighty seven Eric Davis. I, I had to oh. reach there a little bit. I was alive, and I have some memories of him being red, especially your big Eric the Red poster in your bedroom. I did have um, an Eric the Red poster. It's true. That guy was just a cookie cutter for what a baseball player is supposed to do. It's supposed to look like he, he had everything that season, all-star, gold glove, silver slugger again, got some MVP votes. Man, we got we, we kind of got robbed. He got robbed of what could have been a pretty incredible career. Oh, I, and, I, he, I, and he came to my birthday party in Chattanooga when we were at the, the Lookouts game a couple years hey. ago. <laughs> He was there for no, actually, We ran into him at the beer stand is what we did. <laughs> Which is where you can always find Bill. Uh, right field as well. I think uh, Mark Sheldon's right on. It's uh, 1962 Frank Robinson. Frank Robinson, of course, 26-year-old, uh, 8.7 wins of replacement, scored 134 runs, led the league in runs, led the league in fifth with 51 doubles, um, 39 home runs, 136 RBIs, uh, led the league in intentional walks with 16, as he always did, led the league in hits by pitch. Um, with 11, Little League on base percentage, slugging percentage, just a, an incredible season. Uh, Frank Robinson, a guy that is also for, unfortunately kind of forgotten in Reds uh, history. And so you agree with that, right, Bill? Oh, yeah. What if we hadn't traded him? Well, he was old. What if, he, what if he's on the big red machine through the early to mid 70s? They might have been a dynasty. Maybe. Well, you never, you, you never would have heard of Ken Griffey. Or they would have, or they would have traded Perez earlier. It'd be interesting if if you if if Griffey gets traded and so then Junior doesn't show up later because he's not a Cincinnati kid and that's that's a funny alternate history that I'm going to write uh, at some point. Uh, Nate, what about your you know right field your your generation? You're going to go Austin Kearns? Where are you going? I enjoyed this research. Uh, 1995 Reggie Sanders. Thank you. Um, another one of my favorites uh, for for a few years, but man, that season he was he was incredible. Yeah, six point six wins above replacement, All Star, got some MVP votes that year. He was the best player. Vastly underrated, Red. Yeah. He, uh, another one of those guys who wish could have had him a little bit longer. But he uh, talked about the Inner Circle Hall of Fame. He's certainly in mind. But we need Red. to get him in the Reds Hall of Fame. 
Well, we've had that conversation. Actually, friend yeah. of the podcast, okay. Reggie Sanders. He's actually been on the podcast, and maybe the next time they have the Hall of Fame, but we'll get him back on again because he is the single biggest snub in Reds Hall of Fame history, and it's all because he had one bad series against the Atlanta Braves. But yep. that year, 1995, Larkin wins the MVP, and I love Larkin, my all-time favorite player. Um, but uh, Reggie Sanders is the best player on that team that year to me. So, um, yeah, good call. Good call. Okay, quickly, so we're gonna go starting pitcher and uh, and relief pitcher. Bill, uh, give me your starting pitcher. Then Nate, uh, quickly. I'll go first. Mark Mark Sheldon had nineteen thirty nine Bucky Walters because he, you know, he was the uh, National League MVP that year. Uh, that's a it's a good choice. The year the Reds it's, went to the it's World hard Series. Hard to argue with the two. The other two that I looked at were Yul Blackwell in forty seven and Jose Rio in ninety three. And I would probably go with Rio. People don't realize how good Rio was. I don't think. He, Rio was another Hall of Famer if he hadn't, you know, suffered injury. Yeah, but he would probably be, if, you know, you, you can't go wrong with any of those three guys. Um, all of them had phenomenal years. This was Yule Blackwell in 1947 and Bucky Walters in 39 and, and Jose Rio in 93. I'd probably go with Rio, but you wouldn't hurt my feelings if you went with any of those three. Agreed. I've got one other name there, but Nate, what about your generation? Are we going to yeah, get Cueto so- here? As much as I love that Yule Blackwell season, um, I also went with 93 Rio. There you go. Um, he was the victim that year of the uh, the affinity for wins and losses back then. People put far too much weight into that. I think he had a quote saying that if uh, he had the run support that um, I think it was Maddox. That Greg won Maddox won it, yeah. Year, he would have had 25 wins. Probably. <laughs> um, that year was was pretty special. I was eight years old, but Rio was one of those, like, like my first – Big Reds loves was like you know Chris Sabo, Barkin, and Rio. Yeah, I probably go uh, 1947 Yule Blackwell here just because uh, I, I, I you know we ha- had to have a chapter in uh, about the whip Yule Blackwell in uh, in the book just because it was that was my fo- that was I had more fun researching that and all the nicknames they had around the league for him and uh, it just uh, Yule Blackwell but you know 1923 Dolph Luque uh, who was Cuban I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. But tw- twenty-seven and eight led the league with a one point nine three ERA, ERA plus two hundred one. That's 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 in there too. So started in Rocky Four. Oh no, <laughs> he did. I think so. Started in Rocky. Four. <laughs> you made me misremembering that. All right, relief pitcher. Uh, Mark Sheldon goes Aroldis Chapman, two thousand twelve. Is that where you went, Nate, for your uh, for your list? Absolutely. The dude was a relief pitcher, and he got MVP votes. He, that was is yeah. one of those unreal seasons of relievers probably ever had. Well, in my lifetime, I've just and we talk about the nasty boys, but I don't remember anyone being that dominant and that much electricity when he came in the game. It was just it was unbelievable that season. Uh, Bill, what do you what do you have? You go with, uh, with Chapman? I, I'm the same with Chapman. The only other one that occurred to me, and I, I didn't really know how to do a whole lot of research on this one because it's kind of hard to figure out what where to go with it. Was it Ted Abernathy? Yes, 1967, right? Mm-hmm. Seventy games. 28 saves. Uh, his wins above replacement was 6.2. Out of the bullpen. Yeah. What was his uh, What was his record that year? I was only six and three. I thought he had more wins, but yeah, I think I go with 2012 Chapman. Yeah. As well. Okay. Well, wow. This has been fun and entirely too fun, but we've got to, we're going to have to do rapid fire viewer mail questions if we're going to get to any of these. So let's, let's do that. Before we do that, we got to give a big thank you to our buddy. Uh, you know, obviously you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash riverfront That's patreon.com slash riverfront Let's see. Hold on. Actually, I've been forgetting to do this, but right here, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. 
Oh, join Ooh. us, baby. Join us. Now, what a combo <laughs> I keep forgetting I've got the ability to do that, and Nate doesn't remind me. Um, so, yeah, join the Patreon oh, family. Patreon. producer, Nate. Exactly. Patreon.com slash Riverfront Sensi. So we had a new uh, new member of the family this week. I want to give him a quick thank you. And as we always do, give him a, a spot on the Beer League softball team, uh, the Riverfront Beer League softball team. It's Andrew. M- All right. Now I'm going to mispronounce this. I, I presume it's Morin, M-O-R-I-N, Andrew Morin. And Andrew, you can tell us in the, in the Slack channel if that's incorrect. And I apologize. And I'll correct it next week. But Andrew Morin joined us this week. Now, I'll ask you first, Nate. Andrew, where is he playing on our Beer League softball team? I've got him out in left field, and I have literally no reason for that. You know, I don't like to think too much about these things. It just what popped in my head. I appreciate you not doing too much thinking before you come on the show, Nate. Uh, keep that up. I think about Andrew a lot, but it's, you know, different. <laughs> we, we, we don't want you thinking you'll make us look bad. I got a left-handed pitcher. Mm, left-handed pitcher. Um, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say this. I'm going to say, first of all, Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Look at these graphics; it's glorious. If you're just listening to audio, you're missing all this. Um, and if, when you're at YouTube, when you're at YouTube, here's what you need to do: <sighs> smash that thumbs up button, right? And subscribe while you're at it. Okay. Anyway, I'm having too much fun. Um, I'm going to go with second base. <laughs> Applause, Bill says. I'm going to go with second base because I just want to disagree with you too. So, what we're saying, Andrew, is that you are now have three positions. So you are the Kyle Farmer of this beer league softball team. You can play around around the diamond. Oh, that wasn't a nice thing to say. He's gonna he's gonna unsubscribe now. People are gonna uh, love him. Yeah, exactly. People are gonna love him uh, way more than his production. And Andrew, management, will, management will love him. Yes, Andrew, you got you're gonna have a job on the front uh, beer league softball team for a long time. Uh, no, seriously, thank you so much for joining us at uh, at the Riverfront at patreoncom slash sensi. Really do appreciate that, and looking forward to getting to know you better as we move forward. All right. Viewer mail questions. First one comes from our buddy Calvin Medcalf. And Calvin is from across the pond over in, uh, you know, uh, uh, King George III's territory over there in uh, the, the bloody UK. And so we, we didn't put him on the Beer League softball team. I think he's a little salty about it. We put him on the Beer League uh, cricket team. And so his question is this. Not sure if it's been asked already, but could you three give a stab at predicting our 2022 opening day lineup? Cheers, guys. P.S. This cricket team is pretty lonely. Can I know in softball reverse Ted Lasso style? Calvin, you're my opening day starting pitcher on our uh, softball team. Okay. I'm making an executive decision. Now, 2022 open today lineup, guys. Let's quickly go through it. We'll, we'll each get one stab. Okay. Catcher, Tyler Stevenson, Bill. Yes. Uh, yep. first, base, first base, Joey Votto, unless they uh, do the DH. Okay. Well, we're going to say no DH right now because it's not there, but yes. Okay. Nate, Nate, you agree, Joey Votto, right? Absolutely. I agree, Joey Votto. Nate, second base. Jonathan Indian. Really? You think so? Going out on a limb here. No, you don't think Kyle Farmer will start second base? Okay, third third base. I'll take third base. I'm going to say uh, Eugenio Suarez. Anybody disagree? Okay. Short stop. We've already talked about this one, but Bill? Opening day, it's Farmer. Nate? I went with Barrera. Ever the optimist. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's Kyle Farmer. Um, Nate, I'll ask you left field. Uh, left field. I went with... Uh, Aquino, I, I struggled with this one. I wasn't sure who it was going to be, but that's where I landed. I think the Reds want to give him uh, at least another another shot. Okay, I, I, I'm going to say him in right field. I'm going with Jesse Winker in left. What do you think, Bill? I agree with Chad. Okay, I center mean, field. That, the only time you ever hear me say that. 
<laughs> center field, uh, I will say um, I'm going to say Nick Senzel. What do you all think? Same. Bill. Bill's think, trying to decide whether it's going to be Cesar Geronimo. I think it. I think it's going to be a platoon. Yeah, but on opening day, who's it going to be? Depends on what the pitcher is, whether it's a left-hander or right-hander. He's put. He, he just somebody you put too much thought into it. Now he's thinking. All right, right field, Austin Kearns. Uh, anybody disagree? Correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Aristides Aquino. I don't know who else it could be at this point, frankly. Unless you know somebody you know, pull some somebody from AAA pulls in India and has a great spring and and they throw him out there and they catch fire. I don't know who it'd be. T.J. Friedel, maybe. I don't know. Okay. Uh, good question, Calvin or, and or, um, um, Dawson. Oh yeah, the, uh, what's it? What's the guy? We just saw Ronnie Dawson. That's not that Ronnie is not like a real Dawson. guy. Harding yeah. and right field, Ronnie Dawson. <laughs> Dawson. All right, so. Uh, Question. Next question comes from our buddy Joe Farsing. Again, these questions come from our friends at patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. Joe Farsing, screw the Reds for the time being. Literally nothing going on for me to waste a question on. So, hey, what is your favorite holiday? What are your favorite holiday traditions? Trimming the tree? The airing of grievances? Either of you have a, a favorite holiday tradition? Mine is spending time with friends and family. Mine is knowing that's the only time of the year where mom and dad might have that second glass of wine and who knows what's going to happen. Oh my. Oh my. Yes. Two years ago, we got ghost stories. It's wild. Uh, my favorite holiday tradition is it's one of the, one of the few times of the year where I've got three younger brothers. Nate is one of those, obviously, but we all get to get together and we have a good time together. The other thing is the, uh, you know, the crushing loneliness that happens once everybody leaves and I'm, my family ignores me on Christmas night. The, the crushing loneliness and depression. Moving on. <laughs> you'll have to wait until the 26th to get that. That's right. Okay, Kevin Lowe, Kevin Lowe asks, your hash brown sell the team Bob campaign seems to be picking up steam. At least according to the last Reds Instagram post comment section. Oh, Kevin, don't read the comments, buddy. Yep. Uh, well done, sirs, but if it's going to work, the Reds need a buyer. How do we go about finding a buyer for the Reds? Could we wrangle together all the celebrity fans of the Reds? Imagine the Red Legs with an ownership group consisting of Dave Letterman, Charlie Sheen, George Clooney, Darius Rucker, Brooklyn Decker, Rob Lowe, and Flea. Flea, one of the stars of the uh, major uh, motion picture, uh, The Big Lebowski. Um, I don't think any of those are fans of the Reds because every time you know they had, they had college game day for, for football at the Bearcats game, the, the only celebrity that they ever talked to is this guy, Nick Lachey. That's the only celebrity from Cincinnati, right? We got to get him that to was, buy it. That was my answer to the question: was how dare you leave off legendary Nick Lachey? Exactly, Nick Lachey. Use, use some of that. Use some of those boy band dollars. <laughs> buy this team. What do you think, Bill? I, I agree. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see Charlie McQueen getting approved by the uh, the rest of the owners, but yeah. right. Hooper Powell asks: If you were in the big leagues. What would you choose for your walk-up music? Bill Lack, I'll ask you first. If, if you're in the big league, what would you choose for your walk-up music? I, I'm torn between two things. One is would be like Iron Man, or the other one would be whatever Bruce Springsteen song would make Chad pull his hair out. Glory days. There that speedball by you. That'll work. That'll work. <laughs> oh, gosh. Nate, what do you think? 
I'm super aware of my uh, baseball abilities and how they would help or not help the Cincinnati Reds. So I went with build me up buttercup. Build me up. Why do you build me up just to let me <laughs> I like it. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'm going to go with, uh, with sing, sing, sing by Benny Goodman. I've never met playing in the major leagues. I don't know. You want to, you just want to go older than, than Frazier did when he did Sinatra, you know, so. I did love when, when Frazier used to do the, uh, the Frank Sinatra fly me to the moon. Um, Hey, Hey, hey Nate, follow us on Facebook. Look at that. So glorious. Don't leave me alone. I guess when I have to. <laughs> okay. So, uh, next question. Good question there. Uh, there Hooper Powell. Next question from our buddy, Rich Thompson, Rich Thompson from, uh, from Williamsburg, Virginia, gentlemen, the holiday season and the new year is almost upon us, but as a Reds fan, I don't feel particularly jolly for some reason. Being the three wise men that you are, please tell me something cheery that I can look forward to from the Reds for this upcoming season if they even play baseball in 2022. Something optimistic, something cheery about 2022. Nate, we'll go to you first. Well, eventually, just playing the odds here, the Castellini's ownership has to end at some point. In 2022? We're a day closer to whenever that date is. There you go. From your mouth to God's ear. Here we go again. Every day that goes by. For me, it's going to be, uh, I think, Hunter Green. We're going to get to see Hunter Green this year. And I'm actually I'm very optimistic that he's going to do very well. And I hope he will because I don't want people to keep bringing up that uh, spat that I had with Hunter Green in the pages of the Cincinnati Inquirer. Um, Bill, something cheery. I know that's not your uh, your forte. They'll probably have some new micro brews at the stadium. <laughs> Beer, on the other hand, is Bill's <laughs> forte. Uh, Nate's is Apple Teenies. Uh, I'm sorry. I, we don't want to make that a thing uh, here at Nate. Uh, What's about Apple? <laughs> um, okay. Next question. And this is a really prescient question. I think it's one that we probably should answer earlier because this is a, a really good question about the 2022 Reds. It comes from our buddy, Woo the Reds. Woo the Reds. His question is this. Why? Man, that is the question for all of us, is it not? And I don't have an answer. Because, Bill says. Because somebody it always is. Yeah. What do you think, Nate? Somebody has to. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Exasperated sigh. Exasperation. Yeah. Uh, well, why do you do this to us, buddy? Why do you do this to us? All right. Dwight Kelly has a question just for Nate. Just for Nate, which is a little, uh, you know, it's a little, it's, it's kind of leaving us Ooh. out, Bill, but I'll read it. Question for Nate. You spent time in China, so we've been told. What's the most daring thing you ate while you were there? Most daring thing you ate in China, Nate? Um, there were an assortment of insects, uh, but I think the craziest thing were there were a couple parts of a cow that I wasn't told were what they were until after <laughs> I consumed them. How were they? Delicious. <laughs> there you go. Um, Bill, you ever been to China? No. I went one time. I ate pigeon, which is uh, maybe that's crazy, yeah, but it was uh, uh, tastes like chicken. Pigeon would have seemed crazy until I lived there as long as I did. Then it was like, oh, it's just lunch. Got to feed a billion people somehow, right? <laughs> okay, Nathan Connor. Again, not a question here, but um, a comment, and I, I think it's a that's a good one. Uh, Chad, I know you're a big Mario Soto fan. This is true. I was looking at his baseball reference page the other day, and something sad stood out to me. Mario played from 1977 to 1988. He narrowly missed out on playing for a World Series team on the front and on the back end of his 12-year career, all with the Reds. Poor Mario, or as I call him, Super Mario. 
that's a reference to a, a video game. Just for those of you who don't know. Um, Mario Soto is the most underappreciated red star of the last 50 years. Uh, Fred Barnes, say, what say you? That was a McLaughlin group reference that four of you are going to get, including Chris Garber. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, anybody got any comment on Mario Soto? I love that guy. He was, he was, he was a heck of a pitcher. Two, two pitch pitcher, matter of fact. That's a uh, fastball in the circle change. So, uh, Mario, great player. Okay. Uh, two, two questions. We're going to, going to run through these. Joey Gaditza, not much Reds news. Uh, so Chad, Bill and Nate, what are your favorite bands? Bill, we'll go with you first. Favorite band. Uh, I'm a Texas country guy. Uh, Jack Ingram, uh, Robert O'Keefe. Not the, not the East street band. Eh, they're fine. Nate, they're better, than, they're better than Dave Matthews. Stop it! Stop it! Okay, if that's where you're going to be, Bill, you're gone. Nate, uh, your favorite? Uh, also a big country guy. Right now, the one I'm listening to the most is a uh, country band called Midland. Midland? Um, you just made that up. Right they're just, right they're right much country, but they. Nate just made up a band. I don't approve of that. Um, the National. I love the National. The National. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, for me, you know, I got this uh, connection to the Dave Matthews band as Bill likes to mock, as everybody likes to mock. That's fine. I've been, you know, they were a local band when I was in college and I still go, like to go watch them. Um, uh, but, you know, in terms of who I listen to the most, it's uh, it's probably not Dave. It's actually between um, the Hold Steady. If those of you know the Hold Steady, that's I just that's probably my favorite band, to be honest with you, the Hold Steady. But, you know, I've been listening to a ton the last year or two, man. I can't get enough of uh, of the Rolling Stones, who I finally got to see in, uh, see live this year, and uh, and the Beatles. I just, I, it, the classic stuff, is it's, it holds up. So, there you go. Have you, have you watched the special on Disney Plus? Not yet. Can't wait. Can't wait. Supposedly great. Peter Jackson's documentary. If you're a big, if you're the Beatles. big Beatles fan, it's well worth the time. Yeah. Looking forward to it. All right. Last question quickly, as this is going to be our, one of our longest episodes ever from Seth Shaner. Seth Shaner asks, has anyone questioned your decision to rebrand the podcast at the same time as the first MLB lockout since 1990? I mean, Rob Manfred must've heard about your sell the team Bob campaign and decided to stick it to you. Right. All I can say is if, We've been doing this podcast since, since 2007, and somebody's trying to stick it to us. I don't know who it is, but somebody's really trying to screw with us. Either of you have anything to say about that? I got nothing. No, we just we just knew that you all would be starved for mediocre baseball content, so you're welcome. And there's We're nothing about mediocre entertainment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and again, if there's one word to describe uh, the Riverfronts uh, podcast here, it's mediocre. All right. Um, I will say this, uh, you know, thank you all for listening to The Riverfront, episode 401. Uh, I'm Chad Dotson. He's Bill Lack. He's uh, Nate Dotson. You can follow us uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Go to at Riverfront Cincy. What I need you to do is I need you to go to YouTube, okay? Go to YouTube. We're on there. I, I need you to do this, what it's going to say on the screen, but you'll have to hear me saying it. I need you to smash that thumbs up button. Okay, hit that thumbs up button. It delivers us to more people and subscribe to the subscribe. I don't care if you're going to listen to it. Just subscribe, okay? It helps get, deliver us to more to more. Uh, to more actual viewers now. Finally, we have actual viewers. Um, Ask your wife to teach your parents how to do it. Kids. <laughs> right, yeah. Kids already know how. Yeah. Kids, dog, cat. The audio podcast of The Riverfront is always the same as it's always been. It's going to continue to be there. You know, you can listen to us the way you've always listened to us if you're an audio listener in the car. And that's uh, wherever you find your podcast. Just look for The Riverfront. If you, you know, if you go, if you go to, uh, to Spotify, we're on there. Give us a follow. 
on Spotify, give us a, a review on Apple Podcasts if you want to. Five-star reviews only. Five-star reviews only in honor of Johnny Bench. If you like us, talk about us. If you do don't like us, honest. what's that, Nate? Do not be honest. Five stars only. Yeah, right, right, right. If you, But if you really don't like us, just shut up. Nobody cares, okay? Uh, Bill, any final thoughts? Nope. Nate, any final thoughts? Nope. Let's get out of here. We've taken up enough of their time. This yep. is ridiculous. We've taken up enough of Bill's time, too, as well. Uh, for Bill Lack and Nate Dotson and Vita Blue, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone.